and I want to welcome you to the Gospel of Mark again. We've been going through a series uh, in our church looking through the Gospel of Mark and looking at the life of Jesus and how he came, he lived his life. And today we're looking at how he didn't just live and uh, walk this world on this world uh, and went back to heaven, but he went and he trained men and he trained individuals uh, to further the work of his kingdom. The kingdom of God didn't stop when Jesus Christ uh, went back to heaven, but it only started uh, and carries on till this day because men who are called according to the purposes and the ministry of, of Jesus continue to reach out and draw men to Christ through their lives. So today we're looking at the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 6, and if you would want to turn on your Bibles with me, uh, we're going to be talking about how Jesus called and sent out men to uh, further the work of the kingdom. It's a bit of a strange one when we think about our present situations, because right now in the world, many of us are isolated, uh, self-isolating, maybe on our own, or even um, staying in the confines of our four walls of our homes. Yet the call of Christ in Matthew 6 is still to think about the fact that we are still called to be sent out into the world to proclaim his gospel, to proclaim his kingdom, because that is what his mission is still to do, is to bring the kingdom of God through to the ends of the world. And maybe during the season where we're more isolated than normal, maybe it's a time that God is preparing us for the things uh, that he wants to do once this period of time is over. But I also believe that right now in our time, it's an opportune time for the gospel still to be spread through the mediums and the creative ways in which we can still reach out with the good news of Jesus. So why don't you read with me as we look at Mark chapter 6. Jesus sends out the twelve. It says this, He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them, so that when uh, so they went out and proclaimed that Jesus, that people should repent. And he cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. It's a wonderful passage to, to look at because it's the fulfillment of something that Jesus had already set forth three chapters ago. We only have to go back to Mark chapter 3 uh, where it says how Jesus actually chose 12 apostles to be the ones who would further the work of the kingdom. So if you turn in your Bibles with me, back a few chapters to Mark chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, it says this. Jesus appointed 12, who he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach, have authority and to cast out demons. It's amazing how Jesus' method for evangelizing the world wasn't just to be the main star and only him to proclaim the message. He chose 12 specific men to go and to further the work of the kingdom. And he didn't just do it with no preparation, he did it with them intention, him intentionally investing in their lives for the, many, for the several years that he was with them on this earth. For three chapters already we recognise that Jesus has uh, taken these 12 men with him into many different situations. 
you might recall already through our study of Mark that he took them through the teaching using parables. He showed them how he has authority over the storms. He showed them how he had authority over the demonic in healing the man who had several demons. These are all the things that the disciples and the apostles witnessed during that time of Jesus, living with him, being with him. And don't forget also that Jesus also demonstrated his power over sickness and over death itself by healing uh, Jairus' daughter. It's amazing how Jesus chose this very strategy to be the way which he would evangelise the world. That he would pick a few men, train them up, for them to be with him and experience his life and teaching, his authority. And also uh, his rejection as well by his own people. So the first thing I want to just share with us this morning from this passage is that the way Jesus' mission works and the way the kingdom spreads is by people being with him. If you're a Christian, you are called to be a disciple of Christ. That means you're called to follow him. You're called to be with him. I love it how Jesus doesn't just call us out on a mission uh, on our own, but he sends with us his Holy Spirit, his very, very presence in our midst every single day of our lives, calling us, teaching us, enabling us, knowing his heart. And that is what we're called to do, first and foremost as Christians, is to worship Jesus, to be in relationship with him, to be with him every single day in his word, calling on his name, allowing his life to be in our life. When we experience the gospel, when we experience the good news of Jesus in daily life, that just changes everything. It changes our perspective. It changes our goals. When we, when we say, Jesus, you are my king, we choose with him living in charge of our lives. We choose to live in the hope he brings, in the fellowship and also the forgiveness of his cross. I don't know about you, but uh, this week um, when we've been at home together as a family, I've spent a lot more time with my children and my wife. And one of the things I recognise that is when you spend time with somebody, when you spend time with people who are close to you, daily living, daily living with them, um, you, you, you gain some elements of understanding who they are just by observing them, just by being in their presence. We're speaking more, we're eating dinner and lunch and breakfast all together. We're, uh, we're just, in, as a family, um, being able to be in each other's presence a bit more. And so it is with Jesus. So it is with Jesus. Every day as we are able to spend time with him, his very presence, his very character rubs off on us. And we get to experience the life of Christ and his life living in us. I want to just suggest this to us. Some of us may be with our families. Many of us are keeping busy through many things. But I want to encourage you during the season where you know, we can't get out as much and we can't be in a place where we're busying ourselves with so many things. I encourage you, spending time with Jesus is one of the greatest gifts that we can have. Jesus has given us time in a way. And how we steward that during this season of our lives is really, really important. Could it be that Jesus has given us and taken away the distractions so that uh, the Lord can just enjoy and we can enjoy just being with him? Maybe it's a challenge for us during this week that Jesus called us to be with him. So with the disciples being with Jesus, the next thing Jesus does is he sends them out. Sending them out uh, and obeying that, that call to be sent out is a sign of obedience. If you are a Christian, 
You have a calling on your life. Your mission of your life is to proclaim Christ, to proclaim his kingdom. I'm not sure what that looks like for you, especially in uncertain times like this. I said already at the beginning, we're confined to the four walls of, of our homes. Um, but there's many creative ways I'm sure that people are using to try and reach out to people around us. And the call of our lives uh, is clear to proclaim Christ wherever we are, whatever we do. And for us, I think the first step is always is obedience. Will I receive that call? Will I choose to have that as one of the goals of my life? And uh, call, Jesus Christ called out his apostles, didn't he, to send them out? He sent them out two by two. And there's lots of things in this passage as we read through Mark 6 that it says that he sent them out two by two. He sent them out with a staff, no bread, no bag. Uh, and there's lots of things there which I think we don't want to take literally. How many of you here have got a staff ready to, to go out uh, in daily on your walks uh, around your neighbourhood? Or how many of you here are wearing tunics? I think the call of the, the gospel, as, he, as Mark writes out the gospel here, he doesn't write them out literally as literal instructions, but I think he lays down certain principles about what it looks like for a disciple to go out as a sent one. Uh, and these are some of the principles I want to bring to us this morning. The first principle that Jesus sends us out with power. Jesus sends us out with power. And the word uh, Mark uses in this passage is the word authority. The picture here is that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, says to you and I, I give you my authority to go out and to bring the good news of the kingdom to those around you. I love that this picture because it's not somebody going with a weak message. It's someone going with power and authority of the king. You are an emissary. You are a representative of Jesus Christ to the world. You bring his message as if Jesus Christ were standing right there, beckoning and calling people to his, himself. So what does that look like? It means that we go in Jesus' name. It means we go where he says we should go. It means we don't go with our agenda or our, uh, our fears or our failures. We go with his authority. And that is the message of good news that Jesus Christ came to deliver the sick. He came to bring deliverance to those who are captive to the enemy. We go with the depths of his love. But we also speak with the, uh, the hope and the truth of his word. And that is so important that we remember that we go with his authority and his authority only comes because we are working with his agenda and in tune with his Holy Spirit. So we go with power and his authority. But we also go with the promise of provision. Um, I love thinking about the word sometimes because sometimes if you were to read this literally, uh, we would really have to get dressed up in a very, very strange way. But because it says here that the principles we apply here are ones where we uh, want to go with a sense that God already has prepared something before us. There is a sense that in this passage that the disciples and the apostles had to go with a sense of expectation, knowing that their needs would be met, that he would prepare people before them to look after their needs. And so it is with us. The question really is, should we prepare when we go out with this idea of mission? 
I think we should. I think we should be preparing our testimonies. We should be thinking about what we might say when someone asks us a tricky question. We should know the people uh, and get to know the people that we're ministering to and which we're reaching out to. Maybe that looks like we just have to prepare the ground with, with, uh, with kindness and with um, a sense of serving them out of love first. But we are certainly called to prepare ourselves before we go out and tell people about Jesus. But there's also an expectation of faith. There is only so much planning you can do. There is only so much uh, preparation that you can do. And you have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And expect the Lord to move and provide what you need for the tasks. I love in the, in the scripture it says that we shouldn't be worried about what we should say when people ask us. Because God will give us what we need to say in the right time. God will provide for us. And our call on lives is simply to obey. To be attuned to him. Again, we're looking at these times of difficulty in our society right now. And I'm wondering what provision or the promise of provision means for us right now. Maybe it means that for some of us, uh, this time of confinement and this time of uncertainty, it means that we choose to love and serve those around us in a really, really practical way. Maybe some of us have paracetamol in our cupboards, and we know of a neighbour who needs that, and we're choosing to give rather than hoard it for ourselves. Maybe for some of us, it's when we go shopping, it's resistance not to buy up all the things, but to actually choose to say, you know what, my God is in charge. He knows my needs before I even ask. And I'm choosing, even though I may not know who these people are, not to bulk by, but choosing to have enough for myself and my family. And that's okay. Maybe it's choosing to share your hand wash with your neighbour if they've run out. That's a precious commodity right now, isn't it? All I'm saying is that when we choose to live in light of Christ, we choose to live with his love and compassion and mercy. And out of that abundance of what he pours into our lives, we choose to live sacrificially to those around us. Because he will provide for us when we're on his mission. So we're called to be sent out, aren't we, in this passage? We're called to be sent out with his power, with his authority. We're called to be sent out with a knowledge of his provision in our lives. But we're also cause to be sent out with a knowledge that we may experience rejection. We read in this passage here about how Christ says that if nobody, if people don't receive you in your message, um, then you're to shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. It's a strange um, picture that Jesus portrays here, but it's one where he, Jesus is simply acknowledging that people, even if you try your hardest, even if you prepare as much as you can, people may simply not be ready to receive the message of Christ at this season in time. It doesn't mean that we are unkind. It doesn't mean that we uh, try to manipulate or are rude. Um, that is not what we're called to do. We're called simply to proclaim the message and allow the Holy Spirit to uh, make that sink into their lives. And if they're not ready, that's okay. The greatest comfort I can think about what this looks like is just previously in chapter 6. Jesus goes into his hometown. He proclaims the message. And those close to him, those who he knew, who knew him growing up, those whom he knew his family and his situation, they rejected him. Jesus marveled at their unbelief. And so it is for us that the, some of the greatest stumbling blocks that we have to proclaim the good news is our fear of rejection. 
What if they don't receive it? What if they ridicule me? You know what? We just have to get over that. Because it happened to Jesus. It happened to him, our king. And Jesus says it will happen to us. The truth is we should expect it. But it doesn't mean that it has to define us. When we go and present Christ, we present him. And if people reject us, they reject him. But we're called to continue to love. And it's okay. It's okay to go out and continue to love and to pour out your life and to continue to sow seeds of truth because there will be a day. There will be a day where people's hearts will be opened and people's realisation of their need for Christ will come about. And that's what we pray for. So be encouraged. Be encouraged that the Lord was rejected. And so, so you know what we might be as well. But it doesn't end there. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that we can also expect revival. And this is where I want to leave us this morning. Expect revival even during the circumstances of the coronavirus. Expect revival even though our neighbours or our friends might be disinterested. Expect revival because our weapons of warfare are not against the flesh and blood. Our weapons of warfare are love and compassion. Our, love, our weapons of warfare are hope in this season. And a weapon of warfare is the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I just want to read this verse from Acts 4, because I really hope that this would be a fuel for you as you pray for those around you, even during the season. It says this in Acts 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You know, during this season of the coronavirus, um, our greatest need, the world's greatest need, is not a cure for this virus. And I say that kindly, because the greatest need for humanity is not a cure from a virus. The greatest need for humanity is to call out to the name of Jesus, who can, is the only one who can save. He is the one whom gave, who gave his life so that though death may come, though fear tramples at our door, though we may be scared and self-isolating, Jesus is the one who has come through, broken through sin, Satan, death and fear and has conquered them at the cross. And not only that, but he was risen, he was raised on the third day to life again. And all who put their hope in him have a hope and a future and security and a knowledge of the love of the Father that can never, ever be taken away from us. So my hope for you this morning is that you would expect revival. You would expect the King of Kings to still build his kingdom, to still uh, make sure that the name of Jesus is exalted above every other name. Because one day the coronavirus will go and one day... Um, our weak and feeble bodies will uh, give up on us. But Christ says, I redeemed you, I've called you by name, you are mine. And that is the hope for every single person in this world. So my encouragement to you this morning is not to give in to the lack of hope that this coronavirus has stopped the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God continues to grow. The kingdom of God continues to bring about revival in people's lives. And you are part of that. You are the method in which Jesus wants to use individual people, obedient disciples, 
willing to suffer rejection, but willing to spread a hope and a message that cannot be contained. So I want to encourage you, will you be obedient this morning? Will you think creatively of ways in which you can reach your neighbours? Maybe it's a WhatsApp message to a friend who you haven't been in contact with for a number of years and this situation has exposed all of our humanity. Maybe it's giving sacrificial time and attention to those who are lonely. Maybe it's uh, sharing uh, the good uh, resources that you've been given. I know some of us, I've spoken to a few people and they're sharing these messages, they're sharing the encouragement that members of our church are giving each morning at 8.30am. There's all small steps in which we can take during this season to bring hope and the message of Christ to those around us. And I pray that out of this, out of this season of vulnerability, out of the season of uh, recognising our weaknesses as a humanity, many would be drawn to the love and mercy of Christ because he is the one who can bring hope and revival and wholeness. Would you just pray with me as we close? Father, I thank you that your kingdom comes and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for salvation comes through no one else but through the name of Jesus. And I pray for each of us as your disciples, as your followers, as those who proclaim Christ as our King, that we would be emissaries to those in this world who need to know the love and mercy and kindness of a good and loving God. Lord Jesus, fuel us, I pray, for the week ahead. Teach us obedience and show us and give us opportunities to reach out with the goodness and the kindness and the love of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.